You know, it's not every day that you're going to look at your kids square in the face and you're going to say, no, you're not going to go to school because it's not safe. Uh, You know, I don't want you to catch a virus and uh, and die or pass it on to grandma. But it's happening. So uh, welcome to Corona. And uh, this is another episode of Parents Just Won't Shut Up. We're going to address some issues. You're going to hear a story of the... uh, the creator of the show is going to tell his story. So, uh, you know, stay tuned and listen. It's going to be a good one. All right. Well, just so everyone can get a good mental image, I'm sitting here in short shorts, no shirt. I uh, got a pretty good sized beard. And by short shorts, I mean you can see my tan line and almost my ball sack at the same time. And no shirt with a beard. And my hair has been growing out. Welcome to Parents Just Won't Shut Up Solo Edition. It's my story and it's my turn. And I'm only 30 seconds into this and I just realized I really don't know how to interview myself. So I'm really going to try to more or less tell the story of my my life raising my kids. And I don't remember if I honestly, at this point, I don't know. Life's been so crazy with all the corona. And by the way, just so everyone knows, uh, I politically affiliate with uh, mask wearers. So, eh. and, um, but with everything the way it is, it's like I just lose track of time. I've lost track of, I, I mean, at this point, I think everyone has. I don't think that it's a, um, you know, much to do with, uh, no, fuck, man. We're just here raising our kids. This is what we do. I don't know about y'all, but my kid's not going to school right now. The school's not even open. It's not even an option, which I think at this point we may, we, he, he really wants to go back. My oldest really wants to go back. And so does my, my youngest, my stepdaughter. She really wants to go back. My daughter, my oldest daughter is in college now, so she could care less because she's, she's smart. She can do most of her work on the computer and she's pretty happy with all that. But, um, yeah, so I have, I am 36 years old and I have a daughter in college. So you can do the math on that whenever she was born and the great decision making that I was made. And I'm going to tell y'all now that this is why we should, um, fund Planned Parenthood because I literally had sex at 17 and was not aware that I was going to be able to knock her, knock up this lady. Like I was pretty sure that whatever I was going to do was going to work and we were never going to have a child. And I was wrong. So, uh, if I wasn't so ignorant to that, probably at 17, I wouldn't have this wonderful, very smart violin playing daughter, but, uh, that's just the way the car is laid. And I lucked out with her because she's happens to be a genius and she can take care of herself. Uh, but I did have a daughter at a very young age. I also had a son at a very young age. I was 22. I made that decision in a right after a, uh, a drunken fight with my ex-wife. And it wasn't like a super shitty fight or anything. One of those like white trash knockdown drag outs. But it was definitely a fight. And um, I looked her deep in her eyes and I said, baby, I love you. And I want to have a baby with you. Because that is what drunk i want to say not i just say undereducated males uh 
of the amazing Caucasian descent uh, like to say after fights that don't end up with being slapped or thrown out of the house. It's, you know, well, if you didn't slap me, you didn't throw me out. I guess the next thing we have to do is make passionate love, rage, rage, forgiveness, sex, or whatever it's called. Nine months later, um, let's see, let's go, let's go. Seven months later, I was married. <laughs> and then two months after that, maybe three, uh, my wonderful, um, very handsome, charming young man named Zeke Branson Rife, uh, came into this beautiful world and, uh, well, you know, it's been magic ever since. But again, I was 22 years old and, and I think about that now, like I didn't have a twenties. I did lots of stuff in my twenties, but I didn't have like what a 20 year old people that I meet now that don't have kids that are like 25, 26, 27. And, uh, they're single or they're together, but they're like dual incomes. And this is, this is before COVID now everybody's fucked, but you know, single dual incomes and they could have a sailboat and go to Cuba or have, you know, or get on a plane and go to Europe. I never had that because I was always broke because I had my kids. But what I don't have in my 30s are babies. And uh, I am really, really looking forward to my 40s. That is going to be super exciting. And I also met a wonderful woman that uh, believes in me, allows me time to do this by leaving me alone and letting me do this, Uh, likes to hear my thoughts and uh, Acquired, she acquired some property from her mom through an inheritance, and I get to manage the property because whenever I'm not podcasting, I'm uh, building things on the side, or I say I'm podcasting on the side and I build things for a living. So I know how to build a house, and that's what I'm going to be doing. I'm building a little tiny home village so me and my wife can be abroad and still get an income, and our, you know, and we'll have places for our kids to stay if they decide to go to college in the town we're in or the local, you know. Down. We're in San Marcos, so it'd be Texas State or ACC, you know. Uh, you know, so we got about six, seven more years before uh, her and I both are pretty much, uh, you know, off the cusp of having to take care of kids. We just get to, like, call in, check on them, and send them some money because they're all going to be dumb and broke, too. Like, it doesn't matter how smart your kids will ever be or you were as a as a kid, and when I say kid, I mean like in your early 20s, late teens, you know, 19 to 25. That's whenever I, 26. 26 is whenever I like, well, 26 is whenever I stopped drinking alcohol and my life slowly but surely progressed towards betterness. And, uh, and by that, I, what, and by saying that, making that statement, I remember sitting in, and I, I'm going to detour off of what I'm talking about and go into a different subject real fast. But I remember whenever I quit, whenever I quit drinking, I, I went to um, AA because I didn't know where the fuck to go. And I just knew that I at least was going to be around a lot of people that understood that I liked to drink and that I didn't want to drink. And those two things uh, are hard to to uh they don't really balance each other out usually the like overtakes the want because the want feels more like a need 
And uh, I mean, that's the way I am with sugar now. It's I, you know, I know sugar is bad for me, but I love the shit out of ice cream. So, anyways, I'm not gonna go to an ice cream anonymous group though. Uh, but I did. I went to AA, and I just liked being in there, and I liked hearing people's stories, and I felt like everything that they were saying was fucking impossible. Uh, I didn't have a relationship with my kids. I I definitely didn't have a relationship with my wife. Uh, That's all that I wanted. I just wanted my kids and my wife. I was still very immature, uh, undereducated. And and not to say that I went to college since then, because I never did. But I have managed to read lots and lots and lots of books, you know, because I found myself with a lot more time. So I could just read up on things and be more acquainted with the world around me. And, and I did do some traveling when I was younger. So kind of all, all the dots, once the alcohol was taken out of my life and, uh, and this isn't true for everyone. Some people can just drink and be fine and y'all can just fuck right off. Uh, some people can also do like a little bit of cocaine and just be fine. And y'all can just fuck right off too. Not saying I had a cocaine problem, but I'm definitely saying that, uh, I would have. So anyways, what I was getting at was, um, before I rudely interrupted myself with some, uh, hilarious satire about having terrible addictions, uh, was that I felt that everything that they were saying was impossible. And they was giving me this like 10 year time track to follow. Like I'd see these people that would, that they would speak and they would be like, Oh, I showed up here with a fucking trash bag on and a uh, shitty underwear and I came into this AA room and 10 years later I own my home and I have a brand new truck and all these gold rings I mean it's just you know they always had something amazing going on in their life and it just seemed not like it was it was just never gonna be is not tangible never gonna happen for me and uh, But I did know one thing, that I didn't care if that shit happened for me or not. I knew I really didn't want to drink. I knew if one thing I could do was hang out with my kids, I just had to figure out how to be a parent. Because I wasn't, I mean, I was technically, I was the parent. And I, and I was, and I definitely was involved in my kids' lives. Like, I went to soccer games. I was just drunk. And I did other things with them, you know. I, I would just manage to either have an excuse to push it off to the next day or I would just comply uh, just not sober. So I wasn't really present. I was just there. And, um, you know, that made it, that made it really weird for me to just be single parent with my child. Cause I realized, or with my, at the time it was children, uh, with my ex-wife. Cause I was also taking her, her daughter, which she was my stepdaughter. And, uh, but she, um, you know, I, I was her stepdad since she was, I think about, I was in her life whenever she was about two and a half and we got, we were, I was separated from her. I think she was in the second grade. So, you know, I mean, she didn't call me Sean. She called me dad. It was just, you know, it was a thing. I got her name tattooed on my side. Cause that's what you do, right? You get names. At least that's what I did. Um, it's a terrible idea. Well, the kids' names are one thing. I did get another. I did get my ex-wife's name tattooed on my arm, but my new wife told me that I had to get it covered up before she'd marry me. And honestly, I thought I had a pretty cool cover-up because it was her name in, uh, um, like, Times New Roman, bold print. And then I just had decline tattooed over that. Like, it looked like a stamp. And that wasn't good enough for her. 
I mean, that was the cover-up I did whenever we first got a divorce, and it was just a great icebreaker. It was funny. Some people didn't think it was funny. My ex-wife didn't think it was funny, but I did. Anyways, my new wife said, well, that's not enough of a cover-up for me, so you're going to have to, like, get rid of it. I don't want to see your name. And I was like, all right, you know, I really can't. I, but this, the tattoo has enjoyed its time. I've enjoyed my time with it. So I've got the uh, Deep Sea uh, deep sea Alvin. Uh, you can look that up and see what it looks like. Uh, it's not white and red. It's just red and black because it had to cover up a tattoo that was pretty dark. But um, it's still kick-ass, and the guy that did it, it's an amazing tattoo artist. Um, his name is Jake Ladd. This guy in San Marcos, I don't know. Look him up. He's awesome. So anyways, man, I can ramble and get way off subject. Let me get back to what I was saying, and then I'll try to get back to the very beginning of what I was saying. Uh, but yeah, so I went to AA. I met all these people that were doing all these amazing things five to seven to ten years after a life of sobriety, after they have come from literally a hole of shit, which is where I was crawling. I was trying. I had like one hand out. And I had the other hand on the ledge, fingers out, trying to pull my body out of this immense shithole that I created for my life. And I just did it through drinking and not being present with anybody. As much as I loved people and thought I did, I didn't understand what a real human connection was like. And, um, and like I said, that doesn't count for everybody that drinks. That's, very, that's not a true statement towards everybody. But there's a, there's a lot of us out there. That really just shouldn't drink. And if you're out there and you're struggling with it, especially now with uh, COVID, you know, I don't know. You really got to roll the dice on going to the rooms, you know. But, man, it's like what's worse, your mental health, your physical health. You need them both. Hopefully you can find something to inspire you, you know. Uh, but I had my kids at a young age. I don't remember what the beginning of this show is. You know, I'm just going to keep on rolling. I think it feels more authentic this way. I was young, and with my first, my first baby mama, um, she was just young. Uh, she was a year older than me, and uh, she was very selfish. So was I, because we were both young. And um, in case you haven't realized this, we were young when we had babies, very young. And but anyway, she was selfish and just kind of bitchy towards me all in all. So in about... I don't know. I think my daughter was a year, a little bit older at the age of, let's see, I would have been at the age of 19. I, uh, and I, I, I'm making air quotes here cause I cheated on her, but it was a means to get out of there. And also at 19, are you really fucking around cheating on someone? Or are you just doing what 19 year olds do? And I, I mean, I didn't really ever feel bad for it. I'm sure it made her upset, but I bet you now, and I mean, and honestly, now we're not friends, but we are both full grown fucking adults. And, um, we have had this conversation before and we don't give a shit anymore. It's not like she's holding this over my head. We quit fighting about my daughter whenever she turned about 10, uh, and I was about 27, 28. And I had by the age of 27 to 28, I, my life had already started to dramatically change. I started making uh monetarily uh, like difference in it. I, I got, I just, my, I went in a different trajectory. Uh, I went out to the oil field and uh, I made a lot of money and it was great. And I didn't drink. So that was even better. 
uh, it, you know, and my, so my, that was, that was after my divorce from my wife, from my ex-wife, my first baby's mama, I never married her. So we're going to say that's, we're going to say T that's the first letter of her name. And then there's B and then there's my wife, Nina. Uh, so I had already been very well separated from, from T and then B was, uh, pretty freshly separated, but it's probably been at that point, I was 27, 24. It was probably, it probably been about a solid year, you know, year and a half maybe. And, uh, she hated me and, and, and honestly every fucking right given to her to hate me. Cause I was not mean, abusive, but man, I was an asshole. I was just drunk and I'd be real shitty, you know? So it was, um, it's just unimpressive. I was an unimpressive person, you know, is the is best way I can I think about those times. I just did standard basic shit as a male uh, in a small town, you know, and uh, I made I was inconsiderate and I just did dumb things. And I'm surprised I didn't hurt anybody or I didn't hurt myself or I didn't hurt my fucking kids. It's amazing. So that was my 20s time frame. So from from uh, 18 years old to 26 years I was I was I, I quit drinking December 1st and I was uh 2009 so it turned 2000 yeah so 20 I was I drank all the way through my 25th and then I stopped drinking pretty much a month before my birthday on my 26th birthday which is funny because before my 26th birthday I went to 6th street with some friends and I didn't drink and it was it was it really shines a light on uh that amazing, amazing street in Austin, Texas, and how disgusting it can be or is in the evening times. I'm surprised Corona hasn't come out sooner. Uh, you can just breathe an STD down there. It was pretty wild. So, uh, but yeah, that was my 20s. So I didn't have a 20s, you know, I, I really didn't. And then whenever I was making money in my 20s, and I mean, and I mean, I went from making maybe $20,000 a year to $30,000 a year at the most to all of a sudden making uh base 50 and then after bonuses 75 to $80,000. I spent a lot of fucking money on Amazon because it was all the rage and I had I just went out and had a at that point I could I, I had a, a smartphone the one touch click buy thing and I remember uh, my first paycheck, I had both of my kids. It was, uh, I think maybe, I don't know. It was chilly outside, but I don't know. Fiesta, Texas, Six Flags Over Texas or whatever it's called, it was open. And I took my kids and my aunt was with me and she, she wanted to come. So it was perfect because she could hang out and help. <sighs> she could come out and help, you know, with the kids. And uh, I dropped like, a grand on them at the at at Six Flags Park, which is not hard to do when stuff costs twelve dollars a drink, but is like it hurts me now thinking about it because that is a shit ton of money. I would have been like, now you're drinking one fucking bottle of water and you can refill it in the water fountain. We're here to ride rides, you know. But I bought them everything, you know, I, every single little easy thing you could get a picture taken. I wanted it. If we rode a roller coaster, my son rode his first roller coaster. I had one of the best pictures of him freaking the fuck out, you know. Um, uh, 
uh, he was white knuckling my hand, which was hilarious. And this was, you know, and this wasn't even a fast roller coaster. This was uh, kind of the middle of the road, the Looney Tune roller coaster. Definitely bigger than a kid's, but not like Texas Rattler crazy. And, uh, you know, but it was so much fun. And I realized, well, I realized kind of before then, but then that's whenever I had money. But I did realize that I just loved hanging out with my kids. Uh, one time when I was really broke, uh, and I mean like I may have had like $20 in my account, and uh, uh, I was in Austin, and Kite Festival was going on. And I had the kids, and I was like, it's right by Zilker. So we drove around for freaking 20 minutes looking for a parking spot, and we we got there and i just had such a fun time with them and it was that was the very first time that i'd ever like been out with my kids just me and them and this was with my son and my stepdaughter at the time uh and and just i mean like had a lot of fun you know like we i bought this ridiculous uh and this is to show you this is like where i was at in life I was negotiating. There was like this really big uh, Frisbee that I could buy. It was like foam. It was like three foot. It was $15. And I, man, I was like, I had more than $20 in my account, but I I was definitely very poor because I remember going, this is going to take a chunk out of what I'm going to eat later on. But my kids really wanted this Frisbee and I wanted it. it. It looked fun, you know? And so I bought it and we just threw around this gigantic Frisbee for, I mean, hours. We went to the park that was right down there. I took them on the train ride. And I was pretty much busted by the end of the day when it came financially. But, man, I remember just driving home with just such a smile. And the kids were like, they were absolutely enthralled with the day. And I thought then, having kids is not hard. And, and it changed my whole perception of how I was going to raise these kids like whenever it was my time and uh, I realized that I just needed to give them my who I was I needed to let them have me and uh, man you know and now I'm older and my my son's 14 so like the way that and it's really funny because uh, I have custody of my my son the the so his mom uh, let's say from about 20 really right after the divorce she just was I just, I don't, there was something off about it, about her and, and the whole thing. And I, I, I just, I, I don't know. I, it just felt like there was like some weird ideas that she was floating with other people that I didn't like, you know? And, and I don't want to get into, I'm not going to get into too much other than I believe that there was definitely some drug use and, and way too much drinking. And I wasn't drinking. And it wasn't like I was one of those people that were like, well, now that I'm sober and you had a fucking beer, you're going to go to hell because you're an alcoholic. That's not how I feel about that at all. But, uh, I did feel, and, and, and at this point, I don't know, man, my theory has come to some kind of fruition because I'm the one that has custody of my son, but I fought her for, um, seven years. Uh, seven hard years in court. Uh, the court system is uh, extremely slow. It's uh, it's it's. I think it's very biased uh, towards the for the you know towards the mom. But uh, and I say that because of uh, 
mothers for a long time before this, the way the court system is worked out now, uh, had no rights. If the father decided to take the children and, and leave, essentially kidnap his kids, you know, uh, and she wasn't a bad person and she still had no, no grounds to stand on, uh, legally. So it's, um, you know, there's a whole thing there, you know, it's, it, it didn't work out for me, but I've also seen dudes that are just like total pieces of shit. So, eh, you know, it's a hard one. It's the judicial system and I'm not a lawyer, but I uh, do pay one. So I fought her for about seven years and about three years ago, uh, I like legit won um, uh, custody of my son and it was um, very anticlimactic. You would you would think that when you actually get a judge's ruling that, and especially after seven years, that your whole uh, the whole room would erupt with fucking balloons and confetti and be like, "Congratulations, you're fucking done. You're the winner of the of this great prize. Here you go." And instead, what happened was. Uh, the final hearing after doing home evaluations and all this crazy stuff that we had to do, like I had to do a home evaluation. This lady went and dug through my refrigerator to make sure we had food, which is fine. I mean, that was her job. And she was also very, very, very nice. Um, and I really, after reading her report, cause she had to submit like a, a very non-biased report. And it was, I have to say she, the language that she used in the report was uh, on my end and on my ex-wife's end, I really believe she was very non-biased in her writing. She didn't, you know, so it was really, it's, it's kind of remarkable because, uh, I can't see how you can't be biased against or, or in my favor, but I'm sure B on, on, uh, on that end can't see how, you know, you, you can't see her viewpoint. So, you know, it is what it is. Uh, but ultimately, uh, whenever I went to the final hearing, um, she didn't show up. And I mean, it's like the final hearing. My biggest worry about the final hearing was that I would be sick or I would get hurt the day before and end up in the hospital and not be able to make it. I mean, I like quarantined myself and didn't leave the house. I didn't go for a run. I didn't go for a walk. I didn't want to get hit by a fucking car. I wanted no reason not to be there because I knew I had a strong feeling that I was going to, we were going to give a three hour fight. That's how much time we were going to have in trial. That's what we were going to ask for, uh, to state our case. And we had all these witnesses lined up. I actually brought in my wife's ex-husband cause him and I are good friends and it looks really good whenever the ex-husband of the lady that you're married to comes in to say, no, he's very communicative and communicative. He's very talkative. He's very, um, I don't know. What's that? I can negotiate, I can talk to people well. I talk good and uh, I got a very good brain, you know, but uh, no, I get along with him really nice. You know, he's a, he's a good guy. They just didn't work out. That was their thing, uh, you know, but, uh, and I'm, I'm raising his daughter with him. I co-parent and it's amazing. I love it. You know, we, we, there's three of us and we all, or actually there's four of us now cause he's, he's about to get married. So, but we all get along, we all co-parent together and it's really neat. You know, like whenever I know she's lying her ass off about something, I can just message her dad and be like, Hey, this is what she said. And he goes, yeah, that's not at all what happened. Here's what she ate or here's the bath that she said she took or she, you know, whatever. Right. Cause she's young. So she lies about like ridiculous things. Um, but I got to court 
and uh before I well before I got to court I got a message on my phone that says I'm not gonna make it I was sick all last night and I was thinking in my head oh my fucking god so then my lawyer called me and he goes hey I got a message from it's on my answer machine and uh she's uh she says she's sick and she can't make it so but we're gonna go ahead because this is the final hearing and you don't not show up to the final hearing. And I was like, okay, good. Cause I, I, what has cost me so much time and money was she was able to just drag her feet, get a lawyer every now and then, and just slow down this process. And it was a hard, hard, well fought fight. I don't know if that's grammatically correct, but that's what I'm going to, I'm sticking with it. And she didn't show up. So by not showing up, doesn't look good. If you don't show up to court, it, it never looks good. And she didn't call the court. I don't know if you're supposed to, if she, I mean, I wouldn't have known that. I don't think she knew that. But either way, never called or contacted the court. The judge looked at me and uh, said, well, what do y'all want to do? Or she's talking to my lawyer, really. And, uh, and my lawyer said, well, we would like to proceed. We'll just make it all temporary. So. There's an asterisk whenever I say uh, I have, we had our final hearing and I have custody of my son. What I legit have is temporary custody that can last until he's 18 years old because um, the final hearing hasn't been scheduled yet because she didn't show up to the final hearing the last time. So what we did was we, we asked for every single thing that we were going to ask for in the final hearing. And uh, just make it temporary order. So child support, um, you know, and then uh, I'll pick where the school he goes to. Uh, primary residence is with me. He goes to his mom's on his weekend, on the weekends. Which, I mean, all we did was a role reversal. And before that, for about three years, we had, or before that, for about two years, we had 50-50 custody. Where I was just, we're going week on, week off. It was good. During the summers, it's great. But in the school, it's not because you have a lot of, um, uh, reasons to lose homework and, and not get stuff done. Cause it's, it's hard. It's hard for a kid to be doing that. So he's just here now, you know, and, uh, and I told him and whenever I told him the day about that, you know, and he didn't take it well, but what I was saying was, uh, <laughs> you would think it would be like a lot of confetti and a lot of balloons coming out because it was, it was an culmination inside of me for, uh, you know, seven years of waiting to just be told by a fucking judge, yes, you are not a bad person. And not say that his mom's a bad person. That's not what I'm saying, but I'm saying right now, the judge is definitely saying that I am not a bad person. I am, uh, I'm a good, I'm a good man. I'm a good father. I've proven my fucking point. I've proven my case. And now I get my reward is my son. And I get, you know, like I get to, to have him and I get to make these very parenting decisions that a lot of people make all the time that I was not allowed to make. And that is a really, that was a really, um, awesome moment. It's funny. I've never really thought about it like that before, but that's the truth. You know, is that, that that's what it was. It was just a really an amazing moment in my life, you know, where it was just 
fucking finished. And it took, it took fucking five minutes. You know, it was a, it was such a decision that has, that is going to change the trajectory of my son's life, my life, my wife's life, my stepdaughter's life. And it was five minutes and it was, it was, it's for the, it's for the best. I mean, it could have been, you know, you have, you have stories of people that like, you know, I mean, it was a, a two second decision and it does, it'll change the trajectory of your life towards for the worst. But for mine, it was, it was over. And, um, it was neat, you know, and I, and I never, I never really thought about not being able to, uh, make those decisions as the parent. Uh, I just didn't make them. Um, but once I got to make this, once the power was like, okay, now you can make these decisions. Uh, man, it really was. It was like, I didn't know. I knew what I was going to do. It wasn't like I had to figure out how to be a parent all of a sudden. I was fucking working my ass off to get to what I, you know, but at the same time, it really did. It felt like I was making incredible fucking decisions. And they were basic. Like, you're going to be going to this school from here on out. It's two miles down the road. You know, you're going to, let's do cross country. We're going to, you know, I'm take you to go get shoes, which I did all that stuff with them anyways, but not to say, but what, you know what I mean? Like, I just, I am going to, to, to very much be this kid's father. Now, what we do now is we just, he just yells at me because he's 14 and I constantly think, I spent close to 20, I think, well, actually, I've done the math on this, about $26,000 uh, over the course of the years in just lawyer fees and fees and, and all that good stuff. Twenty six grand, And that's a cheap, that's a very cheap custody battle for a lot of people. Um, you know, and, I, and I, I mean that hearted, you know, very true. I mean it. But, um, you know... Uh, and I, and hopefully I'll get a little bit of that back from uh, child support. Cause at this point I really feel like, you know, she should be paying. I mean, whatever, you know, I'm not a fan of child support, but I paid up all my child support for my daughter and, and I paid for child support whenever I had to pay for my son. So now it's just, you know, like I said, it's just a role reversal, but that was my early twenties. And then, well, let's see that, that's that, that whole custody battle started from my early twenties and then it ended at 34, almost 35 years old. So really from 27 to 35, I was, that's uh, 28, 29, 30, 31, 32, 33, 34, 35. That's eight fucking years. Eight years I spent. And honestly, I'm not done. I actually have another court case, the final hearing. At this point, I'm not worried about going about She can show up to final hearing all she wants. My son is enrolled in school. He's an academic you know, he's in cross country. I mean, we're good. We, we, we have this and she's got a very busy life. I'm not saying she's a bad person. I'm saying she makes some terrible decisions though. And it shows, uh, cause there's a lot of work that you had to do whenever you do the home evaluations and you could tell where I did all my work on my end. And after reading, you know, cause it's an open thing. I have to read what she has put into it, you know, essays and not really essays, but people writing reviews on, or not reviews, but people writing like, uh, letters of recommendation. You know, they, these fucking people misspelled her name, got her last name as my last name. She's been remarried for years. And I don't know, you know, there's a whole, there's a whole shit show there. That's amazing. But anyways, now I'm 36 
I've got a 14-year-old son. I've got a uh, 10-year-old stepdaughter. Uh, we have uh, six acres of property um, with three rentals, three rental, one one rental, two rental RV spots that are full, and one on the way. And uh, that's what I'm building, and that's what I get to do for myself. And uh, that's where I've been through a good chunk of this coronavirus. And uh, man, it has been a wild wild show with this whole coronavirus. I had an interview before all of this stuff came out um, that I did like right before. I mean, like lockdown was about to start. We weren't really sure what was going on. I don't know. Some shit shut down. Well, I had a friend come over and like, we're going to do a show. We did two hours of talking and I think I deleted it. So that's why you're hearing my story because I was going to sit here and edit what she had to say. and. well, it turns out that I think I deleted it. So I'm going to have to re-interview her. And which really sucks because she was, it was a great interview. It was a lovely conversation. I don't even know if we talked about kids, to be honest. I think we just talked about uh, who she was and who I am because she's cool. And it was, uh, her name was Kelly Stone. She ran for railroad commission. She was a sex ed teacher at Texas State. And... um Man, just had a had a hell of a story. She has two wonderful boys. She's a stand-up comedian, which out of everything that she's done, I think the most impressive part is that she's a stand-up comedian because I love fucking stand-up comedy. One of these days I'll be a stand-up comedian, just not anytime soon. It's not in this it's not in the cards for me. And especially now with corona, it's like I got to I was watching the stand-up uh on the Zoom meetings and um uh, I mean, got I gotta love them. They're funny jokes, but it's just got to be so weird to tell the joke and then you just end, and then after like a few second delay, you hear the ha 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 ha, or you know, a couple of claps from somebody, you know, out of the fifteen twenty people that are watching, uh, you know. So, but hey, you got to hone your craft somehow, and they got to keep it going, and it keeps you sane. Routine. That's the biggest thing. So that's where we're at now. We have a routine, just a really big routine in the house. You know, I'm usually up about 545. My son has to be cross country. Uh, He has to be running by six. Uh, Man, I've been running with a friend of mine. He's a 50 year old dude. Um, Actually, I interviewed him. I think it was the last interview before this is CPC. But that guy runs like um, a beast. He is, uh, I've nicknamed him the Mayan surprise. Uh, I go by awesome, right? That's my running name. If anybody ever wants to try to look me up, good luck on that though. Uh, and, um, you know, so we have that routine where we're running the evening three or four miles and, uh, we're slowly but surely trying to train for, and I'm not unrealistic here. We're training for a half marathon because, uh, I don't know. I don't want to run a marathon right now. That's a long fucking way to be running. I like to run. I don't think I'll like to run 26 miles or whatever a marathon is, but I can do 13. I'll do 13. I can do 13 and, and regret it, but not like want to die. Just be like, damn, I'm glad that's over. Where's the ice cream? You know? Uh, and, um, man, what else is going on out there? I don't know. I really hope that the people that listen to this show, that anybody hears this, especially people that are like struggling with alcohol use, uh, maybe you relapsed, maybe you just started drinking, uh, you know, I hope you find some place where you can be, where you can get away from that. 
and uh, move forward. But my kids are great. My my so my oldest daughter, she's a uh, cook at a local coffee shop. She's a super cool. She's so cool. She's one of those those kids now that I get around her, and all these people are like, you know, looking at me. And I'm not like this old looking man. I'm 36 years old. I can still fit in with the group, but they don't. But they 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 look at me like I'm not cool. It's not that I'm like this like weird creepy old guy. I'm just someone that does doesn't fit their. Uh, their demographic of coolness. And that's where she is with it now. So she calls me. Like we, we just chat. We chat on the phone or text one another a lot. But uh, uh, I don't really get to see her in public because whenever she's in public and her friends are in public, I'm not really. I'm just They're kind of like, who is this guy? These jokes he's telling are not funny. You know, that kind of thing. I just try to be her dad. You know, that's really all I can be. And our relationship is kind of weird. You know, because of her mom and, and, and because of her mom with our immaturities on both ends, you know, I didn't really raise my daughter in like the sense that I'm raising my son. And I realized that whenever I was like truly, truly, truly involved, involved with my son, you know, I was always involved, but whenever I was like, we're going to be doing all this athletic stuff, we're going to be going to games and doing all this stuff, you know, and our 50, 50 custody thing going on. And I was just forcing myself to be a part of his life, no matter how bad his mom did not want me to come around. I didn't give a shit. You know, I was working two weeks on two weeks off in the oil field. She wouldn't let me see my son. She's like, well, whenever you come home, it's not, and it's like, whatever that shit's going for the birds. I want it for the two weeks whenever I come home and we go back to court and sign the paperwork, we're done. But everything like that, it would cost me just ridiculous amounts of money to do stuff like that. Either way, with my daughter, I didn't do any of that. I didn't really fight it, you know. Um, she married. Uh, she remarried. Uh, he's a nice enough guy. They're both not bad people. I mean, I have my my uh, views about them, but I'm not really into getting sued for slander. Uh, but they're not bad people in the sense of she did a good job raising my daughter. She raised a very intelligent lady. Uh, and I, I, I'd like to take claim to her brain. Uh, the only thing that I can truly, truly, truly take claim to, uh, for my daughter is her sarcasm and her view of the world, because it's not that she has a view of the world. That's a learned view. She's born with it. And it was the same view that I was born with. And once I really got sober, I really realized that I had a very skewed view of the world. But it works out well for us. Um, it really does. And it works out well for my daughter. She's, she's rocking it. And, uh, man, and she's beautiful. Um, and I don't know. She's awesome. But what was I saying? Oh, yeah. So our relationship, though, we really are, like, we are extremely close friends. And, I, and that may sound weird to some people, especially the parents that are like, well, my kids are blah, blah, blah. But we are. We are just very close friends. And she does respect my authority, but she's also 19 years old. So my authority doesn't really run the same like it did whenever she was 10, you know. Um, you know, I more or less have to say, like, honey, if you're going to come over, please don't brag about your one hitter that you just bought in front of your little brother. Because your little brother is still 14. You know, and I don't want to have that discussion quite yet, although we are having that discussion, but not in the sense of, well, your sister brought it up, you know, like I want to be able to bring it up, just bring it up. And, um, you know, so it's just, it's kind of just stuff like that. Yeah, that's right. My, my daughter smokes pot. It's the end of the fucking world for you conservative people out there, not conservatives politically. I just mean conservative as you got to stick up your ass. Um, it's 2020, get over it. 
you know, so I, you know, but that's my relationship with her is that's just the way it's been. And it's a beautiful relationship. And I do really appreciate it today. We had a great conversation over the phone. She was, you know, just, and, and just, just talking. The thing is, is there has been, <laughs> this is going to, this is going to sound terrible. I was in a hurry one time. Um, and and this was like three months ago. I don't really want to be out in public. I'm not mixing with people that I'm not sharing germs with. And at the time, and, and still to this day, I'm not with my, my daughter doesn't live with me. You know, she lives with her mom. And, and so they have their set of germs and I have my set of germs over here, you know, uh, my, although, and I, I, I say like, we keep it very separate, but then my son and my daughter, they have a really wonderful relationship. So they're very, you know, like she'll come over and, and they, they get close and talk and stuff. But either way, I saw my daughter at the store and this was like in like the super heightened awareness point of coronavirus. And I knew it was her. And I avoided her like the plague. I just wanted to get out of there and get my stuff and get back home. And I know that that just sounds terrible. Like, I can't believe you would avoid your kid. But yeah, I, I, I did because, um, because it's really not a big of a fucking deal, you know, uh, <laughs> you know, and that's something that I've kind of realized in life. And I realized that, uh, right after I, about two years after I sobered up about what a big deal is in this world for me, not for everyone else. For some people, it's the end of the world. If you blah, 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 do, you know, but for me, it's man, you gotta like, I gotta lose a fucking limb for it to be a big deal, you know, or my kids gotta like be in the hospital for it to be a big, big, big deal, you know? But, um, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I'm trying to think, I'm just trying to kill a few more minutes here, you know, but coronavirus, this has been a wild, wild ride. And, uh, it has, uh, it's shaped our family in a direction that I didn't see we were going to go. Um, I've never had enough money to build a little house or the time I, or, you know, I, at the same time, I've had the time to do it a lot, but never the money. Uh, or I've had the money at certain times, but definitely not have the time to be able to knock this out. And now I'm just, it's, I mean, every day I just go out there and I just do a little bit more and it's just going right up. And I, and I also know how to do it. So none of this is hard for me. It's just more or less like I got to do it and it's beautiful. And, you know, our goal is to have enough places out there to be able to put the kids up, uh, when they're, when they're in school. And, uh, and, and then us just kind of like live abroad. You know, we, I really love new Orleans. That's been my thing. Although now it's flooding, it's always flooding. So I don't know, but that's where I am with all of that. And, um, yeah, falling a little bit more in love every day with my wife. And, uh, I mean, you know, I think it's a sign of a good relationship. Uh, if you're in one where you're kind of, you, you love your significant other a little bit more every day because they make your life a little bit better every day. And uh, that's how I feel about her. And I don't believe that everyone does that for each other. I know that for a fact because I've been in relationships before this and uh, they didn't do that. But I think that you can find that person and it'd be there. And uh, I'm sorry if that if anybody that's hearing this is like, well, that shit ain't happening with me anytime soon. No, it may not. You know, you can go your whole fucking life and 
and not find that. But uh, I did. I feel extremely lucky. I don't feel that I accidentally did this either. Um, I stalked her for years. No, I didn't really stalk her for years. We've been friends for years, though. We've known each other for almost, we knew each other at the time. I think we were hitting year 17 or 18 of just being friends, but not super friends, but, you know, definitely, you know, like if we saw each other, we could always say hi and and catch up, you know, and say, oh, we should eat barbecue, you know, or whatever, have some, you know, well, one night she had a dinner and invited me over and uh, oh, I never left. So, you know, that's how that worked out. And, uh, yeah, man, it's been a, it's been a minute. Thanks for listening. That's my story. God, I sure, I'm sure I jumped around a little bit. I apologize. Maybe I talked kind of fast. But I haven't sat and looked at this computer screen in three months. I just sat down today to start editing, and this is what happened. So I'm, uh, I'm, I'm glad to be back. Uh, I'm going to get back on Facebook so I can promote all this stuff, but Thank you very much for listening again. And, uh, man, I, I hope that your Corona, uh, lifestyle is doable for you. For those of you that, that really did like lose your jobs and, and you can't find anything. I'm, I'm, man, I'm sorry. You know, that sucks, but hopefully you can find some routine and, um, you know, I mean, and, and the thing is, is like, I don't know, man. Everything just kind of sucks. There's really nothing about it. So, But anyways, this is Sean Rife with Parents Just Won't Shut Up. And I'd want to wish y'all well. Thanks for listening, everybody. You have a good rest of the evening. Okay. Go for it. Thank you for wasting your time and listening to Parents Just Won't Shut Up. Okay, say it again and say it a little bit slower. Just a little bit slower. Thank you for wasting your time and listening to Parents Just Won't Shut Up. Awesome. Fortunately, I have the key to escape reality, and you may see me tonight.